tuning in to the Woods Edge Student Ministry Podcast. This week, we'll be continuing in our Vineyard Initiative series. We hope you enjoy the message. For more information, you can go to woodsedge.org slash students. Jesus, thanks for this morning. Thanks for the gift of this community. Thank you for the fact that you are a good, good father and that we are your children. No matter what anybody walked in here thinking about or feeling, you are a good father, and you love us. You love us right where we're at. I don't care if I'm having a bad day or a good day. I don't care if someone is in here elated or depressed. You are a good father, and you want to speak to us. You want to put us on your knee and encourage us and um, speak words of life. And so I pray, we invite you, come into our hearts and speak to us today. Use this message, use your word, use the power of your spirit. You may want to impress somebody in here with something that I don't even touch. Amen. Do it. Just come and own this time. Transform the way that we think. Tell us who you are. Tell us who you created us to be. I am counting on you for this, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. I'm going to start us off with a little scripture from Hebrews. Hebrews, unknown author. The book of Hebrews, not entirely sure who wrote it, but um, beautiful words. This book so impressed me when I was young in my faith, but this is this chapter, chapter 11, the hall of heroes of the faith, and here's what it says. It would take me too long to recount the stories of the faith of the Old Testament heroes. People like Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms. They ruled with justice and they received what God had promised them. These people shut the mouths of lions. Bare hands. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the flames of fire. They escaped death by the edge of the sword. And their weakness was turned into strength, and they became strong in battle. They put entire armies to fight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. Supernatural stuff going on supernatural things through men and women of old. And that is not just in the Bible. These people, how did they do all those supernatural things? By faith. They believed in God. They believed what this book says. And this book says we can do greater things than these. This book says that you and I can do greater things than what Jesus did when he was on earth. I want some of that. And I want a lot of that for you guys. How did these people do these things? shutting mouths of lions with their bare hands, quenching flames of fire, getting bit by snakes and it's no problem. Their shadows passing over people and they're healed from leprosy and cancer and whatnot. how they do those things? By faith. I believe that there's a God and he loves me and he wants to do supernatural things in and through me by faith. And so, by default, we take it on faith that if God did those things because those people believed in God and declared who he was, we can do those things too. And you guys do those things. But God wants see a lot more. And I want to see a lot more. Not because do more, but like for you I want to see these things. For you God wants to do these things through you. I just got a quick little testimony right before last service about a student that's been going out and praying with some friends and she's walking through the mall and the guy that she's with just says right there, that woman right there pray for her right now. And this woman is like limping She's got a cast on her leg. She's clearly hurt. She's busted. She's broken. Right there. Pray for that one right there. Pray for healing. So the student is like, okay, thanks for putting me on the spot. I will. 
prays for. Doesn't know exactly what to say, do we ever, but Jesus, would you just do a miracle of healing in this woman? Would you heal her foot? This lady's like, what's happening? But the student, by faith, just owned it. Like, I will. I will pray for healing. I do believe this is God's will. Prays for this lady with a cast on her foot who's limping. And then they're like, they're done. It's like, okay, we're done. Says, why don't you, why don't you see if you can't put some weight on it? Why don't you see if you can hop on it? This lady was limping. But she got prayed for by faith. And this woman puts a little weight on it. And where she was limping a second ago, she starts jumping up and down on her broken foot. By faith, you guys can be part of that and much, much more. God wants to use you to do incredible things in the people and the relationships around you. Believe it. Own it. Have, have the faith of a mustard seed. Just take a step. I want to show you guys a little clip talking about gifts. We're talking about gifts today. And I want to show you guys a clip. You know, we've been interspersing superhero stuff in our series. I want to show you guys a clip from Man of Steel, the latest Superman movie. Um, this is a clip of Superman discovering his powers, right? Discovering that he can fly. I want you to watch just like the astonishment that this guy senses, that you can just see in him as he's flying. But I want you to especially tune your ear and listen to what his father is saying to him as he's discovering his power. So lights down, volume up, check this out. Why am I so different from them? Earth's sun is younger and brighter than Krypton's was. Your cells have drunk in its radiation, strengthening your muscles, your skin, your senses. Earth's gravity is weaker, yet its atmosphere is more nourishing. You've grown stronger here than I ever could have imagined. The only way to know how strong is to keep testing your limits. the movie. I don't want to hear it. I want to watch it too. All right. There's some great one-liners in there that I want to review with you, but I want you guys to like, as I review these one-liners, so what's Superman's dad's name? Anybody? Jor-El, and Superman's name is? Kal-El. I can't even get into it. There's actually some Jewish guys 
invented Superman back in the day to kind of spit in the face of Hitler. Kal-El, what it actually means, if you look it up and what Superman standing for, he's representative of Jesus. Like, he's got Jesus traits behind him. It's a cool backstory. Right? Type in origins of Superman and you'll have a cool story. But Jor-El, Superman's father, is saying to his son, and I, I want to just kind of steal this, this is what God is saying to you, to me, today. So it starts off, Superman is just like, why am I so different? You guys, it's a good thing to be different. It's a good thing to be unique. The Bible says that every single one of us are fearfully and wonderfully made. There is no one like you on this planet. That's a good thing. That's an exciting thing. Why am I so different? He knows he's different. You guys, you should know you're different. You should revel in the fact that you're different. You should celebrate it. You should own it. Because as Christians, we better be different. We were not made to live according to the world, but according to Jesus, according to the Word of God. And that should make us stand out. In fact, we should inspire others. People, I hope, in your life know that you're different, that you're living according to this book by faith. I hope you're different. It's a good thing to be different. I love this play on words. I'm going to use it as a play on word, but Earth's sun is brighter and you're full of its power. You guys, when we live by faith, God's sun, his spirit, the Holy Spirit comes into us. If you've ever confessed your faith in Jesus Christ, the spirit of the living God is inside of you. The spirit that built heaven and earth, that brings people back from dead, that helps people shut mouths of lions, that spirit is in you right now. And if you want that spirit, acknowledge Jesus as your savior right now. And that spirit comes in you and it does make you stronger. It does make you brighter. It does make you different from the whole earth, from all of the people in the earth. Earth's sun is brighter. God's sun is brighter. And he wants to live in you and be strong in you. And then he says, the only way for you to know how strong you really are is to test yourself. And you should do that. Don't be, don't be happy where you're at. Strive for more. Don't be content with the small piece of the pie that God has given you so far. Ask for more. He wants to give you more. You pray for somebody's foot to be healed, pray for their heart to be healed. You pray for their heart, pray for a room full of people. Pray for big things. Pray for big things. The only way for you to know how strong you are in your faith, in your gifts, is to test them, to exercise them, to use them. Take steps of faith. Take leaps of faith. You feel compelled to pray for somebody or step out in faith and do something miraculous? Take a big step. Don't be scared. Be bold. God's looking for that kind of boldness. He'll bless you. The Father is saying to the Son, God is saying to you, I want you to give people an ideal to strive towards. And in time, they'll join you. In time, you will help them accomplish wonders. You guys, we are here not just for our own good. We're here to represent God and to point people to him and to lead them. Every single one of you in this room, I don't care what you think about yourself, you are a leader in the kingdom of God. You are a difference maker, a world changer. Lead people to Jesus in whatever way works for you. However God has wired you, that could be a small setting one-on-one -on -one, or it could be Billy Graham style. I don't care, but you're all leaders. Lead people to Jesus and they will follow you. Give people an ideal. There's a better way to do life than revenge and getting back at people and being greedy. Live your life by this book. Show people there's a better way. So we're the, in the, near the end of the Vineyard Initiative teaching series, right? This seven, eight-week series, these seven verbs of discipleship protect what God has given you, receive what God gives you, remove your junk, 
etc., etc. Last week we talked about build your watchtower, build your faith by talking about Jesus. And today we're talking about gifts. We're talking about the wine press. We're talking about using what God has given us. Isaiah 5 is where we take all this from. It says this, My beloved had a vineyard on a rich and fertile hill. The first thing he did after receiving the vineyard was he protected it. He protected the land. He cleared its stones, and then he planted it with the best vines, the word of God. And in the middle of it, he built a watchtower, and he carved a wine press in the nearby rocks. That's where we're going to camp today, that one line. He carved a wine press in the nearby rocks. You guys know what a wine press is? It's pretty self-explanatory, but I got a picture. So here's a wine press, or a drawing of one. And this is old-school Israel-type wine press. It's some, they carved them in the limestone, which is a soft, malleable rock. And you got these two figures, and they're standing in the big pool, and that big pool is full of grapes, the fruit of the vine. They take all the grapes, they pick them, they put them in the wine press, and then you got a couple guys or girls or a group of them, and they just cruise around all afternoon, and they step on those grapes, and they squish them and make them, you know, whatever, and all the juice from inside the grapes comes out, and then it funnels into these vats, and there is your wine. There's your juice, and then you bottle that stuff up, and then you let it age, and you have something useful. You have something valuable. You, all of your work of removing stones and protecting and building and planting and working results in these very valuable barrels of wine, the fruit of our labor. Um, vineyards exist to produce fruit. Why would you do all of that work unless there was a reward at the end? And the reward is you produce fruit, and then you do something with it. You use it. The fruit God expects from every single one of you, his vineyard, is that you produce disciples. The fruit of our labor is to produce disciples. The, the statement of our student ministry, of our church, is that we make disciples, and we make them in love, not judgment. But you guys should be producing fruit. If you've been taking your faith and acting on it with these verbs of discipleship, you should have some people around you asking questions, um, wanting to know more. And those are your early disciples, and you should start pressing into them. Don't just hand them off. Who's that one person or those 10 people that you've just made an impression on by being different and praying and stepping out in faith? Start feeding those people. Tell them about Jesus. Take your um, DBS guide from Wednesday and walk them through those small group sessions, but you should be making disciples. And God gave me this scripture that I'm about to read to you a couple weeks back, and I feel like he gave it to me. Just impress upon us for a moment how important it is to him that we do produce fruit. So if we're his vineyard, and vineyards only have one purpose, to produce fruit, to grow grapes, to make disciples, listen to what God says. Son of man, daughter of man, you guys, church, me. Son of man, how does a grapevine compare to a tree? Is a vine's wood as useful as the wood of a tree? Can its wood be used for making things like pegs to hang up pots and pans? No. No. It can only be used for fuel. And even as fuel, it burns too quickly. Vines are useless both before and after being put into the fire. And this is what the Sovereign Lord says. The people of Jerusalem, us, the church, are like grapevines growing among the trees. 
Why are they growing among... You can't cultivate a grapevine if it's growing with all the other stuff. The people of Jerusalem are like grapevines growing among the trees of the forest. And since they are now useless, I'm going to throw them into the fire to be burned. A vineyard is useless unless it produces fruit. Another way to put that little positive, the only purpose in you and my life is to produce fruit, to make disciples. What keeps a vineyard from producing? If it's growing amongst the trees of the forest. And you know what that means? If you're living your life the exact same way that all the rest of the people around you that don't know the Lord are living their lives, if you're living for yourself, if your goal is to make money and to be happy and have a big house and just me, 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 you're not going to produce any disciples. You're not going to have any fruit. We are called to live by faith. We are called to be different. We've been set apart. I hope you guys are living different, set apart, because God is really serious about it. I'm not saying this to scare you. This convicts me. We are here to produce fruit, and if we don't, ugh. but if we do, yes. So, here's how we're wired to be different. No, I already went through that. You make healthy boundaries. You remove your junk. You're serious about your faith. You take leaps of faith. You share your story. You use your gifts. So, the gifts we're talking about today, they can be spiritual gifts, the gift you receive when you put your faith in Jesus. It can be your talent. It can be your skill. What are you just naturally good at? That's not from you. That was from God. God declared when you were being like knit together in the room, this one's going to be good at football. This one's going to paint really nice. This one's going to invent the better sneaker. I don't care what it is. But you guys all have natural gifts and talents. Those are from the Lord. And you have spiritual gifts. There's three purposes for a spiritual gift. To testify, to edify, and to glorify. To testify means you point at Jesus. You have gifts, talents, and spiritual gifts, and the whole sole purpose is for you to use them to point at Jesus. Use your gifts to point to Jesus. Second reason, to edify. That means to build up the church. You have gifts that are specifically designed to encourage the other people in this room, the people in the room across the way, the churches throughout the city and the world. You have been given gifts to encourage the church. I hope you're doing that. I hope you're using your gifts to lead worship, serve in tech, greet, paint pictures. I don't care. Use your gifts to edify, to build up the church, and to glorify, just to say, God is awesome. Look, look what he can do. Look what he can do. God is incredible. You have gifts. Use them to point to God, encourage the church, and glorify the Lord. So how has God wired you specifically? What's your gift? A lot of you know what they are. A lot of you have maybe an idea what they are, and some of you have no idea what they are. I've been part of church for a while, and I'll talk to people that have been Christians for five years, and they have no idea what their gift is. Unacceptable, because you receive the gift the minute you become a believer. Let's figure it out. This is not the end-all, be-all way to find out, but a useful tool. Show me my slide, spiritualgiftstest.com slash tests. Very useful tool. It's not like Bible useful, but it is really good. I had my whole team take this test this week, and to a man, to a woman, we were all like, this is dead on. This is exact. I totally resonate with this. This is accurate. This is a great tool to help you get an idea of what your gifts are. It'll tell you your top three, and then it'll tell you a bunch afterwards. This thing is like 100 questions. It'll take you like five or 10 minutes. It's an easy way to get an idea of what your gift is. So you could take this test today. I would encourage you to write that down or put it in your phone now and you can figure out what your gifts are. So here's the results from my team. So, Dwight Theaker, worship leader. Think he's on the floor, but he could be somewhere else. Dwight, are you in here? Sitting in a chair. What's up, special guy? So Dwight took this test. One 
of his top three gifts was faith. And not just faith like I believe in God, but Dwight has a spiritual gift of faith that enables him to supernaturally encourage other people to see the Lord, to recognize him in their circumstances, to point at him in desperate times. Dwight has an unwavering faith, and that's a gift from God. And we need to be encouraged like that when the world's falling all apart around us. Dwight has a spiritual gift of faith. And when he encourages people in faith, it's different than when a regular Joe might do it. No offense, Joe. Little offense, no. Christine Johnson, she's my admin assistant, right? Uh, she's not here today because she's super big and pregnant and awesome, but she took this test and she got mercy. Her spiritual gift is mercy, and I can't really stress the importance of this gift. Christina, and I've known her, I think, for 15 years, but if you come to Christina and share a burden, this girl doesn't know you from Adam will cry and snot right at your feet because Christina has a spiritual gift of mercy, and she is so empathetic so compassionate to our and other people's burdens that she takes them upon herself as a spiritual like embrace of a gift and then she gives it to God. Christina will hurt for you on behalf of the Lord and help you give your trouble and your hurt and your pain to God. Who doesn't need that once in a while? It's, I'm not talking like she'll give you a hug. She will make a difference because she's got a spiritual gift of mercy. So important. Many of you in this room, I have witnessed, have this gift. Many of you have faith. Joe, one of his top three was apostleship. And if you know Joe, you know this is true of him, but Joe has just a knack for engaging people, especially men. Joe has a gift where he can just come along a perfect stranger and become friends with them and engage them and talk to them about God. He just, just flows out of him. He encourages them in the right direction. Joe can just start conversations with people that I can't because he's an apostle. He's just got a gift. He connects with people and points them to the Lord. A lot of you people in this room have this gift where you just flow right into a spiritual conversation, um, a discipleship relationship. Bailey, Howard Brown, soon-to-be thinker, has the gift of discernment. I have this gift as well. Bailey and I, as many of you do in this room, just have an awareness of spiritual things going on. You can walk into a room and be like, there's something funky in here, and it, it's not the Lord. There's something demonic here. There's something icky here. There's something evil in here. And it's not just to know it. It's to pray against it. It's to ask the Lord to rebuke it. Some of us just have a spiritual awareness that there's some icky stuff going on, and we need that because we have an enemy, and we've got to know he's up to stuff. And so God gives the spiritual gift of supernatural awareness of what's going on in the spiritual realm. Um, my wife, Brooke, has a gift, exhortation. Brooke, if you've ever in encountered her, um, gone to her for counsel, she will encourage you, she will exhort you, she will challenge you to greater things. She will point you in the right direction, and challenge you to more, she will call you to a better place than where you are now. And she, she's just got a gift. When she says and challenges in that way, you want to do it. Like, you feel like you can because she's got a spiritual gift. Some of us, not me, I don't think I do. I'll take it if you want to give it. Some of us have a spiritual gift of healing. We just pray for people and stuff happens. Some of us have the spiritual gift of miracles, like Paul, literally walking by people and his faith was so great and he believed in God's miracles that his shadow would touch people and they would be healed. Oh, don't you want like Superman exuberance? Like, I want to discover what these things are. I want to use these things. Some of us have one gift. Some of us have 10. God, being the awesome giver that he is, he'll give you different gifts as you need them. I once went to the hospitality house in the Middle East to serve, 
and I'm heading that way, and a close friend of mine says, you don't have the spiritual gift of hospitality, which is a spiritual gift. And I was rocked, because you were like, oh, you're right, I don't. So I asked the Lord, can I have the gift of hospitality? Boom, he gave it. I just couldn't change enough bed sheets and clean and cook for people, and I still have it. God's a giver. You need a gift? You want a gift? Ask for it. Ask him to open your eyes to what your gift already is. Here's another way to find out what your gift is. You can take the test. You can ask people around you, what do you, what do you think I'm good at? Have those conversations. Here's another one. What do you love to do? What do you do that just so gets you going, that gets you fired up? You just love doing this, that, or the other. What's that thing or those things that you love to do? I would challenge you. Just keep doing that, but do it for Jesus. Do what you love to do, but do it for Jesus. You guys know that I like taking pictures and turning them into my little prayer cards, right? I think I got one over here. Boom, prayer card. What's up? I love making these things. I had no talent with a camera before I gave my life to Jesus. And the week that I said, I believe you, I want you, I need you, I confess my faith in Jesus, I just had a desire to go into the woods and take pictures of bugs and leaves and dirt. And as I did, I found that I'm looking through the lens and I'm seeing like attributes of God. I'm being reminded of scriptures and I'm taking pictures of them and I'm taking scriptures and putting them with the pictures. And I start making these little cards for myself because I can't memorize scripture. I'm just not good at it. But if I got a visual to go with it, I can remember scripture all day. So I start making these cards and people really like them. So I start handing them out. And I'm handing these cards out. This is just ink and paper. It's not of my own design. And they're just so perfect and they're so powerful at certain times. I'll hand them to people and they will read them and weep. Just cry because God used it so powerfully to speak to them in that moment. I'll hand cards to people from time to time and some of you will hand these cards to people. It's just ink and paper. But God uses them to, make, to cause people to make life decisions right in front of you. I think it's a spiritual gift of evangelism. I reach people by you coupling scripture with pictures. And so many of you in this room have gifts like this or sort of like this that just make a difference. And I love taking pictures. I can't imagine a week going by without taking some pictures. I don't care if it's my kid or Hudson Rumpel's feet or the sky or whatever. If you've seen that picture, it's really good and gross, but it was awesome. But you guys, what do you love to do? Just go do that for Jesus. I'll give you guys some examples that you can relate to from the student ministry. Many of you are in this room right now. All right, some student ministry examples of people that are doing what they love for Jesus. Not for themselves, but for Jesus. Joe Lanzalotti. Picture of Joe. Boom, there's Joe. That was pretty good timing. There's Joe. Joe loves to run. You guys might know this. Joe was a like track, cross-country superstar in college. And Joe loves to run. And Joe has taken his love for running, and he's like, how can I bless the Lord? How can I serve Jesus through running? Super simple thing. So Joe hosted our trail race last year. And because Joe loves to run, and Joe runs for Jesus and uses his gift of running for Jesus, he hosted that trail race, and God used Joe's willingness to serve to raise crazy amounts of money, like well over 100K, so that we could go on our trips and bless people with clothes and food and cars and whatnot. Joe loves to run. Joe runs for Jesus, and God used it. What do you love to do? Go do that for Jesus. Next picture, Savannah Rumpel. What does Savannah love to do? Paint, right? Thanks for all that exuberant paint. She likes it. It's right there. No, she loves to paint. 
She loves to paint. Savannah loves to paint. Savannah paints for Jesus. Savannah has so many stories about how her art has impacted people, but one I love is she painted some stuff. It was hanging at, li at the library at school, and a teacher and this guy have a conversation about it, and Savannah's nearby, and she starts to talk to him about what the meaning of the painting is, and she tells him about Jesus through the visual of her painting. And this woman, this teacher, her teacher, Savannah, taught her something about who God was because Savannah loves to paint, and Savannah paints for Jesus. And there's just something special about her paintings that God uses because Savannah's taken her faith that God gave her this gift and she's put it in action. What do you love to do? Do it for Jesus. Next picture, Ryan Gibson. I love this picture. It's like right out of a magazine. You're handsome, Ryan. I can say he's not here. There's Ryan. What does Ryan love to do? He loves it. Where's Ryan? Hey, why aren't you on stage today? Loser. All right, there's Ryan. Ryan loves to play the guitar. Ryan loves to sing. So what's he do? This summer, he joins the worship team. I love to play the guitar. I'm going to play the guitar for Jesus. And he plays awesome. And I love watching you play. And when I see you play, I'm just like, I want to sing. Because I love the way you're using your gift to bless the Lord. Good job. Keep it up. What do you love to do? Do it for Jesus. I got another picture. I don't remember who it is. It's David Baker. That's the best picture I could find. I'm sorry. Where, where you were holding a skateboard anyway. What does David love to do? He loves to spray paint buildings. No. He loves to skate. David loves to skateboard. And apparently I've been told Jimmy Claxton likes to skateboard too. Thanks for pointing that out, Jimmy. David loves to skateboard. He's pretty dang good at it. And what does he do? He skateboards for Jesus. David and Jimmy and a couple others, I think, will go down into the city and they'll skate with some guys. And while they're there, they will tell them about Jesus. They will pray for them. They'll give them stuff. They take what they love and they do it for Jesus. Who can't do that in this room? All of you can do that that are in this room. What about our next one? All right, I gotta, I gotta clarify this picture. I couldn't find a picture of Anissa where she's got a camera in her hand, so I found the next best thing, a picture of Anissa with Patricia in the back doing something crazy. I don't even know, but it's awesome. But there's Anissa Khan. Anissa loves to make movies. She loves um, not just pictures, but like video. And she has volunteered herself to make us a really cool promo video for our one night event. She loves to make videos. She's going to make videos for Jesus. She's making them for us. She's edifying the church by her gift. She's using it. And we will have that video soon. We'll show it to you guys and you'll be like, that's awesome. I want to go to one night. And we'll put it on social media and other people will see it and it'll just resonate with them. They'll just see it and it'll be different because it was made in faith. And God will use Anissa's gift and her video, her gift to us, to have people come to this event. Anissa loves making videos. She does it for Jesus. Who can't do that? Last one, my boy Dylan. Dylan in the middle. Dylan loves America, right? And Dylan loves to serve. And so Dylan has signed on to become a Marine in the United States military because he wants to go and serve his country not as some vicious, like, I'm going to kill it. He wants to go and be a representative of Jesus Christ and the United States Marine Corps, and we need more men and women to do that because who doesn't need the Jesus like the Marines? He's going to go over there, and he's going to witness to them, and he's going to preach to them, and he's going to pray for them, and he's going to make a difference for God because he loves to serve, and so he's going to be a Marine for Jesus. What do you love to do? Go do it for Jesus. It's that simple. And as you go, you will discover, man, I'm... This right here, this is my thing. But you're not going to figure that out if you just sit on the sideline. Get in the game, use your gift, make some disciples, 
and do what you love to do. God made you love that for a reason because that's what he wants you to do. Just go do it for Jesus. I'm going to invite the band up and we're going to close our message. So band, come up because we're about to close our message. I'm going to tell you a quick story. I'm going to recap a movie for you as we close and then I'm going to coach you on how we're going to pray today. I watched a great, great movie on Monday or Tuesday night with the Brook Bear. I watched a movie called Woman in Gold. Have you guys seen this? Powerful film. It's so good. It's out on video. It's called Woman in Gold, and it's about this 1940s Jewish family living in Austria. And this is a really well-known, well-respected family. They're highly engaged in the arts. The whole country knows this family. They are huge advocates for arts and the society and the betterment of people. Just a good, godly family. And then the Nazis show up. The Nazis invade Austria, and all of the other Austrians that aren't Jewish turn on this family overnight. And they start persecuting them, and they start spitting on them, and they start beating on them, and some of them escape and some don't and are killed on the street or in concentration camps. But it's this good family that loved their country, and their country turned on them and started wiping them out. And towards the end of the movie, the father... He's on his deathbed, and his daughter is getting ready to flee to America. And he knows he's not going to be able to make that trip. And he's talking to her. And what he said was so convicting. He says to her, on behalf of his family, in just confusion, and I'm not understanding why is this happening, he says, we have done everything that we can to contribute to this society. We have done everything we can to contribute. And they're, they're killing us. They're wiping us out. They're stealing all of our stuff. And I, I heard that, and immediately I thought of this message, and I thought of a scripture God gave me just a few years ago in Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29 is God's letter to the exiles. And we are all exiles here. This is not home for us. This is, we're passing through. Home for us is up there. So as long as we're on this earth, no matter how good or bad life is, we're exiles. So this letter to the Old Testament people, exiled, is for you and me today. This is what God says to all the captives that he has exiled. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry, have children, and then find spouses for your children so that you may have many grandchildren. I want you to multiply. Don't dwindle away. Listen to this his last charge. Work for the peace and the prosperity of the city where I have sent you. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. We're talking about gifts today. We're talking about making disciples. We're talking about being a blessing. More important than the gift is the giver of the gift, and the giver of the gift has given us one purpose. Love others contribute to your family, to your school, to your society, to your city? Are you praying for the woodlands? Are you praying for spring, Tomball, Oak Ridge? Are you praying for your school? Are you asking God, what's my gift and how can I use it? Are you asking God, give me a disciple. Give me something I can train up to know you like I know you. We should. We were made to contribute. All of our gifts, our talents, and our skills are for one purpose to point to God to give back I hope you feel 
the urgency of that this morning. I hope you feel compelled to do something about it. We're going to do something about it right now. We're going to take our faith and put it in action the best way there is. We're going to pray. We're going to pray together, and I would encourage you guys to get in groups of two or ten and pray and ask the Lord these things. I want you to ask him, show me my gift. Show me what my gift is. That will either be an affirmation or he will literally say or show you something in your mind of what your gift is. If you ask God, show me my gift, and you just see a picture in your mind of fixing a car, I would ask if you're supposed to do that. Use that gift to fix cars. Who knows? But he might give you a picture. He might give you a word. Apostle, encourager, prayer warrior. That's your gift. Use it. Do something with it. Ask what your gift is. Second one, bigger commitment. But it's our whole goal. Ask the Lord to give you a disciple. Ask God to give you somebody that you can pour into, that you can love, that you can encourage, that you can teach the Word of God. Ask for a disciple. Oh, can you imagine what it'd be like if every single one in this room, by the end of the week, had another one of you to pour into, to teach, to encourage. Oh, I want that for you. Not from you, for you. Ask for your gift. Ask for a disciple. And then you guys, let's pray for our city today. Let's pray for Houston. Let's pray for the Woodlands. Let's ask God to make this place his, to show up here like he's never shown up here before. He'll do it. He's just waiting for us to ask. What if 130 students asked for that today? What might he do? I'm going to pray for us, and then let's respond. Thanks for listening to the Woods Edge Student Ministry Podcast. Please feel free to share copies of this podcast. Do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way. For more information, please visit woodsedge.org slash students or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash woodsedge students.